You're listening to Rocket Night. Hi, Cherise. This is Lester Chambers of the legendary Chambers Brothers. I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for caring for musicians and letting the whole entire world know we rock at night. It is my great pleasure to be sitting here with a very gifted musician, Stu Fuchs. Stu is here in the Tampa Bay area for the annual Tampa Bay ukulele getaway. Stu travels all over the world playing a number of instruments, and he conducts music workshops and is involved in other musical endeavors that we'll explore later on. But first of all, I'd just like to welcome you. Thank you. It's good to be here, Gail. Thank you. Most typical question in interviews is, what is your background? Uh, What was your training, any uh, formal training, and were your parents musical? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, uh, my father played classical guitar. He did it as a hobby. He was a very, very happy amateur. Later I learned that that word amateur comes from, I believe it's Italian, amateur, or it could be French. It means one who loves. He loved Ah. to play. He would come home from work after a long commute and sit and play his guitar for hours. And as a young boy, I remember being five years old, my earliest memories are going to bed hearing the sounds of Spanish and Italian classical guitar music. So I would listen to him play, and one night I went out, I probably had my Dr. Denton's on or something, <laughs> and, he, and, and, and I wanted to play so badly, and he took my left hand and he showed me how to fret notes on the first string, the high string on the guitar, and he told me about you know putting my finger in just the right way and how to bend my fingers in just the right way to make the sweetest sound with the least amount of strain. And, uh, and he taught me uh, a melody just by memorizing the numbers of the frets. So the, what's nice about this melody is that it was on only the first string. So he would play the right-hand arpeggio pattern of a classical guitar piece, and I would play the left hand, and together we would play the guitar together. So that was one of my earliest uh, influences. He, he was a big influence on me because he was a great lover of music, incredibly passionate about music. And I remember there were many times we'd pull over on the side of the road because there would be something on... WQXR, that was New York City's classical station, and, you know, he'd be, you know, belting along with an opera or something, and um, so he was very, very passionate about music, and so that, that was a big influence for me. And yet he Bef- wasn't professional? No, he wasn't a professional. He was a very, very happy just to, just to play on his own. He was actually pretty shy about it. We're still <laughs> looking for pictures. Uh, if, if anyone has a picture of him with a guitar in his hand, he was very, uh, it was a very personal thing for him. Uh, he shared it with his family, but nothing else. Oh, 
What a wonderful. Okay, and then going into what what led you to formal training? Well, I first I I I've, my my first instrument I I picked was a fourth grade clarinet, and then I moved on to bass clarinet and saxophone. So I spent you know from grades five, four, five, all the way up to grade eight playing these wind instruments, mm -hmm. and uh, I still love to play. Typical school band this, yeah, music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Typical school band music. But all the while, I had this guitar. So I had my dad's first classical guitar, and what I would do is I would just take it into the woods, and uh, I would sit in the wilderness. I was blessed to live in a place where there was a lot, a lot of trees and nature, and I would sit um, underneath trees and listen to the sound of the wind, and I would try to imitate the wind on the strings, or I would hear a bird go ahead, and I would scrape the strings to try to make the bird sound. And uh, I had no idea how to really officially play. This is, you know, again, age five, six, seven, eight. Oh and I would just go into the woods and just kind of play with it. And that, uh, that self-taught, free-form approach still forms the foundation of what I do, even though I got into, you know, formal training later. Uh, mm. I still like to approach it just like a kid who likes to just make one sound after another and have fun. You truly play music. You yeah. play. I mean, yeah. yeah, you too. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Oh. So after so after I took uh, some you know wind wind instrument lessons, I eventually got uh, something happened. It happens to a lot of teenage boys. It's called Led Zeppelin uh, <laughs> or uh, Van Halen or Jimi Hendrix or mm -hmm. Eric Clapton, and I just you know got so into electric guitar and uh, and uh, so I, I played lots of electric guitar and okay. uh, continued that. Uh, I played in the high school jazz band. I had a lot of... Oh. But my, my high school, uh, the, the high school outside of New York City had quite a music scene. There were all these bands and we mm -hmm. were, we were uh, in a friendly way, we were all in competition with each mm -hmm. other. We always tried to outdo, you know, uh, with uh, original songs and, and, and hard to play cover tunes. Uh -huh. um, so we did that for a while and then um, somewhere in, in college, I, uh, I got turned on to the classical guitar again, and that's when I uh, started my training. Mm -hmm. Not before I studied upright bass and percussion in college. Uh, this was before I started playing classical guitar. You see, it's a wiggly, windy path I've taken. I've just followed my bliss into whatever area I've wanted to go into. But yes, I, I did play orchestral percussion in... Uh, at uh, some colleges where I was attending and upright bass and uh, always hungry to learn more about music. Oh, that, that's fabulous. Um, you, one of the questions in the back of my mind was, what instruments do you not play? Because I'm oh, aware plenty, you're... <laughs> plenty, plenty. You know, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I feel like I can pick I up like... something and make sound on yeah, it and, okay. and organize sound and, you know, rhythms and a series of high and low notes. And my, my knowledge of music theory and harmony lets me, you know, sound musical, but... I wouldn't call myself a trombone player or anything okay. like that. Or right. uh, although I can pick up Let's a trombone and uh, and goof around on it. That's I mean, everybody can. So, yeah. Well, why I ask that question is, um, if I were to list all of the people I know who play the didgeridoo, uh, the list would consist of one person, uh -huh. Stu Fuchs. And um, what what brought you to the didgeridoo? Well, the didgeridoo, for those who don't know, the didgeridoo mm -hmm. is the ancient uh, aboriginal instrument. It's from 
Northern Australia, the mm-hmm. Aborigines, the native people of Australia, mm-hmm. uh, happened upon this instrument. They say it goes back 30,000 years. Oh, my. And, I had uh, no so idea. it's an ancient, ancient instrument. And it's an instrument that's used in their spiritual ceremonies. They believe that listening to the tone of the didgeridoo connects them to their ancestors and it stops time. Um, there's a whole lot more to it than that, but just to summarize briefly, uh, when you play a didgeridoo, you have to be very much in the present moment, just like any instrument, but I think there's something about the didgeridoo. Here, I'll unzip my didgeridoo case so I can play a bit. But uh, what's unique about the didgeridoo is that you're using your breathing in such a uh, such a very visceral way that it really brings you into uh, the present moment in a really deep way. Uh, what's also interesting about the didgeridoo is uh, you circular breathe on it, so it has incredible health benefits. You deeply oxygenate the blood, you uh, exercise the diaphragm. There are even studies, multiple studies being done around the world now that have proven that the didgeridoo strengthens the larynx, it strengthens the soft palate of the mouth, and therefore can help uh, reverse the effects of sleep apnea and the, the atrophying of the soft palate of the mouth. So there are a mm. lot of folks who, in these studies, they circular breathe for 20 minutes a day for six months, and they were able to wean themselves off of their sleep apnea machine. And they reported deeper blood oxygen levels. So uh, yeah, a, a high percentage of people who learned to circular breathe were um, affected by this. You can look it up. It's on YouTube, mm. Sleep Apnea Didgeridoo Study. But uh, this is what a didgeridoo sounds like. It's, it's a long tube, and uh, it's made of a tree limb, and you buzz your lips on it, and it really only produces one fundamental note, but what you do with that note is, is quite interesting. Here, I'll uh, take a sip of tea, and then we'll do it. how the sound doesn't stop, you may have heard me sniffing the air. That's me breathing in through my nose oh my while I'm breathing out through my mouth. Mm. You can, of course, play all kinds of grooves and, and rhythms on it, too. The Aborigines would tell stories with it, imitating the sounds of animals, the dingo, Prairie dogs. And um, all kinds of swarms of insects. So this instrument is is intimately connected with the, the sounds of 
of the bush, mm-hmm. the, 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 the wilderness in Australia. Nature. Yeah. Nature vibration very much. And so. vibrations, for sure. I mean, I could really feel the vibrations from that. That's it. That's mm-hmm. It's something that, yeah, those who are listening to this, uh, you know, you, when you're in the room of, with the didgeridoo, it'll be a little different than listening to this, you know, through your computer because the sound waves contain so many deep, Tones and also uh, a wide spectrum of harmonic overtones, which are very beneficial. They have a lot of healing uh, healing uh, applications. Mm-hmm. So playing a didge is an awesome thing to do. I recommend it to everybody. I got into the didgeridoo about 20 years ago, and uh, been circular breathing for about that long, and um, it's made my lungs bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that could be useful information for a lot of people, but besides just being so fascinating, I, I will say that two years ago, I believe it was, I had the pleasure and the opportunity to attend one of your workshops um, at a music store in Clearwater, and even though it was a ukulele workshop, you took a little departure from that. You played the didgeridoo and led a meditation. And it was just incredible because in that setting, I would never imagine that I would feel so relaxed and so serene and um, just practically out of body. But you you did mention, of course, the therapeutic aspects of it. And as I understand it, I think your bio says that you've been involved in music therapy and music for Mm -hmm. healing. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked the didgeridoo back back at that workshop. Oh, I did. It it was so memorable. Yeah. Well, you know, my my involvement with music as healing goes back to those first days when I was a a kid, uh, Mm -hmm. going into the woods Mm -hmm. and uh, just grounding myself with the sound of my of the instrument and i think that everybody intuitively knows how to do this you know we all know how to get back to that place in our own way and there are many many ways to access that grounded state music is one uh, for some people it's you know working with animals it can, there's so mm-hmm. many ways as you know of doing this but um with music therapy and the therapeutic work that i've done um one of the big things is uh Getting, uh, getting people to be in a receptive state where they're listening so uh, closely to a sound that the rest of the mind's distractions fall away. You know, so it becomes an effortless focus, which is really all meditation is. Meditation is an ancient technology. It's every tradition in the world has a form of meditation. And the universal key... The master key of meditation is just pray, uh, paying attention to the present moment. Mm-hmm. The didgeridoo is powerful for that because it gives out such a wide spectrum of harmonics and it's very present. So is a piano. So is a ukulele. Mm-hmm. You know, anything. So is the voice of the person that you're listening to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everything that we really listen to becomes healing. And I would take my instruments into uh, work with me I would, for seven years, I was an artist in residence at a cancer hospital in Buffalo, New York. It was an arts and healthcare program through the University at Buffalo, and we were in residence at a wonderful hospital called Roswell Park Cancer Institute, a huge 30-acre campus of research and treatment facilities. 
So I worked there for many years and would visit patients. I would be referred by nurses and doctors. And we would bring not only music, but all kinds of other creative play and really try to get, engage patients and their families and the, even the hospital staff in creative play. So mm-hmm. we would do all kinds of, all kinds of games, um, all kinds of singing. Uh, sometimes people, when we would visit them, you know, you of course work with the person from the place that they're at. So sometimes people aren't ready for that kind of visit. But over time, uh, a relationship is formed and some trust is formed and people would begin to take risks. People would you know, pick up a ukulele and learn to strum a chord or, or just sing along with a, with, a, with a song that they loved. And it really, uh, really gave patients something to look forward to. And, and for a lot of the cancer patients, some of whom were going through treatments you know, where they were sequestered from the world. You know, if you're going through a bone marrow transplant, you have to be removed from the world and be in a very, um, you know, contagion-free environment. Uh, for these people, it connected them back to their life before they got ill. So I would have a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, you reminded me that I had a life before I got sick. And uh, so mm. we, we really enjoyed that and being of service through music and creativity was a, a great joy and it's an experience that I'm super grateful for. So I still do this work, you know, I'll be at a, I'll be at a airport, uh, you know, gate mm. waiting for the plane and things get stressful, you know, traveling and sometimes I'll just take out my ukulele and I'll play a little Bach or I'll play a little Tin Pan Alley or something and just, just lighten the mood and... So I, I, I do that sort of music therapy work yeah. on the fly. Uh, literally on the fly. Yeah, right. and, uh, do, other, do other travelers appreciate that? I know I would if mm-hmm. I were in an airport. You know, just like the hospital environment, it couldn't, I couldn't come in with like cannons blasting. Couldn't just walk into somebody's room like that. Mm-hmm. So I would always enter gracefully and try to merge with the situation that's present. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the hot, with the, uh, with, with any place, whether I'm on the back of a bus or at an mm-hmm. airport gate, I try to, you know, be subtle and sort of work my way in there and just play as if I'm not interested in anybody listening. And it's interesting what happens when you approach playing that way. Mm-hmm. People actually are attracted more to what you're doing when you're mm-hmm. just being of service and being humble. So, right. But to answer your question, yeah, pe- people people do appreciate it. I've never had anybody say shush. Or, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but I'm not, you know, uh, you know rock it in the free world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. So. <laughs> oh, and, well, obviously with the didgeridoo, you know, you're... If, if, that's a good example of how eclectic your interests are. I know you're very interested. Well, you mentioned uh, Latin music and mm-hmm. as well as classical. Um, and you have a trip planned to um, South America? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be going to uh, to Fortaleza, Brazil, for a jazz and blues festival um, mm-hmm. in February of 2016. And then I'll be going to South America with an artist. I, I play with an artist named Sonatum Carr. Sonatum Kaur, K-A-U-R, Kaur, and she is a beloved yogic spirit singer. Mm. So she, uh, when she travels around, you know, sometimes three to five thousand people come to her concerts. So I'm really honored to be playing with her, and we'll be going to South America and also Europe and a bunch of different holistic centers. So, so her music is, you know, um, 
all about using the power of the voice, mantra, singing in community. So sometimes these concerts, uh, uh, kirtan is another another name for it. It looks like it's written kirtan, but it's actually the pronunciation is kirtan. So kirtan is a uh, is essentially singing uh, mantras, singing praises, and these mantras have a great vibrational power. Mm-hmm. When there are 3,000 people singing together mm-hmm. with that intention, it's mm-hmm. very, very powerful. And so, so, yeah, I'm going to be going to South America and hope to pick up uh, a few few lessons maybe oh. along the way if there's any time to connect with some local musicians because I do love Brazilian music. My CD has a bunch of choro and mm-hmm. uh, samba and bassa. And it's and a my, great and, CD, oh, I have to say. Yes. My next one's going to be uh, out sometime next year and I'll be recording some more yeah. Latin music with it. Great, great. And speaking of learning, you are also a teacher. In fact, that's why you're here for the um, ukulele getaway. You're conducting workshops, and I mentioned that uh, I had attended some some of your ukulele workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I would imagine there's there's a special. Well, I know um, that, that that it's a certain special person who can teach. You know, the person may possess. A body of knowledge, but to impart that, um, what, what brought you to teaching originally, or was it mm-hmm. just a slow evolution? Well, my, my mom was a teacher. Ah. Um, she still is, although she's retired. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, my mom was a wonderful teacher, and, and I guess I was brought to teachers to teaching because uh, of the blessings of the wonderful teachers who have come into my life. And I feel like I'm just giving back what I've received. Ah. Uh, some of the amazing teachers would include, you know, history and social studies mm-hmm. and English and all the teachers. Mm-hmm. I just love. I've always loved so many of my teachers, but in music, my uh, my uh, great teachers were uh, a man named David Darling. He's a Grammy award-winning cellist and composer. Ah. So I studied with him for many years. And I've been very influenced by the work of David Darling and his organization, Music for People. You might want to check that out, those Music of you who are listening. Music for People. Yeah, musicforpeople.org. It's an organization. It's a humanistic approach to learning how to improvise, play music from memory, play music by the heart, play the music that you're meant to play in the moment without judging yourself. It's mm. quite a process. And so they have a four-year training program. You can attend a uh, Music for People workshop without being in the program. It's very much welcome, but uh, I, I studied with him. So so he, he influenced uh, my learning in a big way. And, uh, and of, of course, my other teachers along the way of uh, classical guitar and... Um, and bass, so I guess that's 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 what brought me to teaching. Just this desire to want to give back, and I, I delight in opening people up to their musicality. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's so it's so wonderful to keyword see delight. Yeah, yes, that reward. I want to talk a little bit about geography. No, <laughs> um, sure. one of my favorite songs on, on your um, uh, CD is a song about Buffalo, New York. I mean, oh, just yeah. a great song. I mean, it really captures the essence of the city. Even though I've not been there, I just Buffalo uh, in my soul. That's Buffalo the name of it. in my soul. Yeah, I still have one in my soul. <laughs> and, well, you lived there um, a long time. In fact, uh, twenty years. Mm-hmm. Twenty years. And um, you were allied with the 
Philharmonic Orchestra, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but Buffalo's an incredible community. Now, I know some folks, <laughs> it's interesting when you go, when you say, hey, folks, I used to live in Buffalo, New York, and nobody claps or something. Yeah. <laughs> Buffalo, unfortunately, has had a bad rap after losing several Super Bowls or has, you know, <laughs> That's in your song. storms, uh, you know, <laughs> people think it's just snow, chicken wings, and losing Super Bowls. But uh, Buffalo is an incredible town. It, it really is an amazing mm-hmm. arts community. And for 20 years, I was super grateful to be part of it. Um, I got to do all kinds of interesting work, not only with the band, but with installation, art, uh, poetry, filmmaking. So there's there's quite a lot going on in Buffalo. And it's a very friendly and uh, affordable place to live. Although, now that it's making a comeback, there is a big renaissance going on in Buffalo. It's not as cheap as it used to be. Although it still is, you know, compared to living in New York Mm -hmm. or San Francisco, but... Um, it's a great town and an incredible, incredible community of creative people. Very, very friendly. Well, it's the city of good neighbors. That's the yes, name. that's so, in your song. Yeah. Everything you mentioned, you mentioned the affordability and. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And while, while I was there, I was, uh, I, you know, I was part of the radio station, and I played yeah. with the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra a couple of times with my group, and so you know, very, very friendly place and wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful place to live. But after twenty years, um, things were calling me to leave and so I moved to New Hampshire just mm-hmm. about a year and a half ago and so now I live and I moved from you know a neighborhood of you know 250,000 people to uh, 750 people I live in this little wow. town um, and it's my home base now and, and I, I can understand you know that I even getting even closer to nature in New Hampshire except it must make it more difficult for your travels, that your business demands that you travel a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're luckily we're not we're not too far mm-hmm. from from okay. things, you know, um, yeah. and you know we're not not far from Boston okay. or Northampton, Massachusetts. Not too far from Albany, New York. Uh, okay. I'm very close to Mount Monadnock, beautiful part. You should come up and visit sometime. It's absolutely gorgeous. I love there. that. Yeah, yes. it's sweet. And one of the great things about the house uh, and that that land is that I, I hope to someday, you know, host some sort of a gathering. I'm not sure how that would happen, but host some sort of ukulele gathering. I'm going to be hosting a ukulele retreat at the at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. The Omega Institute is a really amazing yoga center. It's a center for holistic studies and yoga and all sorts of things, everything from fitness to nutrition, and that's uh, I'll be doing that in June. So that'll be a ukulele retreat that'll mm-hmm. offer all the things that you'd expect from you know a you know typical ukulele retreat classes, jams, concerts, but it'll also be a chance for people to go into a place of their music practice where their mind will get a little bit quieter, and I, I'll be able to teach some of the practice techniques that have been gifted to me and practice techniques that I've used. I've sort of modified the techniques of yoga and meditation to the ukulele. And that's what this retreat's going to be all about. Specifically, the, oh, is that just for, for those workshops? I, I would imagine you apply that to other instruments as well. I, I do, yeah. I do, but, yeah. But this, this, this retreat in June at Omega will be, um, it'll be very much intentionally about, uh, you know, Getting into how how do we make music easy, and uh-huh. and, and and yoga has a lot of answers for that, mm-hmm. and and I want to say to anyone who's listening who's intrigued, 
you do not need any experience in yoga. You don't have to be able to, you know, fold yourself like a pretzel or, or anything like that. It's actually yoga is uh, the word yoga means union. It's uh, the English word yoke. Like the uh, not the egg yolk, but the yolk that you know you'd connect the ox to the cart. Yoga, yes. the yolk. So, so yeah. it's about you know just bringing yourself into a state of union in the present moment. That's all yoga is. So, 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 so you don't need to have a certain flexibility or physical capacity for anything. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be so fun. I can't. Oh, it wait. sounds great. Yeah. June twelfth through the seventeenth. Yeah, and and there'll be info on my website. Oh, that's great. StuFuchs.com, if you want to check it Very out. Very good. I hope to see you there. I think I would enjoy that a lot. The, uh, the ukulele. The ukulele. Well, uh, how long have you been playing that? Mm-hmm. And Because all of a sudden, I mean, in the last mm, five or so years, um, that little instrument has enjoyed such a resurgence, and, and so many people have taken it up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just just the fact that there are all these uke festivals all over the world, this um, ukulele getaway in the Tampa Bay area. Um, tell me a little bit about your involvement with the ukulele. Well, the, the you know the ukulele has really changed my life. I love these gatherings. It's such a friendly vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, all the friendliness of a you know a folk festival, singer songwriters, uh, different instrumentalists. I, I just love the ukulele community. It's so so cool. And it is a community. Oh, there, yeah. There's a brother and sisterhood, really. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. And and now that I've been traveling around and going to these festivals now for. Almost three years uh, consistently, you do start to see some uh, of the same people. Mm-hmm. So, hey, there's you know, there's Joe. Oh my God, you know, yeah. I haven't seen you in a while. So, so it's really, uh, really yeah. fun. But you know, the way the ukulele came into my life was in two thousand one was when I first picked up a ukulele. Mm-hmm. It was a miserably dark, cold, sunless winter in Buffalo. Uh, no sun for about. 20-something days. It was really rough. And it was getting close to Christmas, and uh, my friend's music store, he had a very cheap $10 ukulele on mm. the wall. And I just just the, just the sight of it cheered me up. I thought of Hawaii. I thought of being warm. I felt warmer just looking at it. Yes, yeah. And so I bought it. And at the time, I, I didn't have a car. I was riding, riding the bus to work. And I would sit in the back of the bus, and I would just play it. And, uh, you know, I would just, just, just play one note at a time, see if people would mind, and then I'd start strumming a little stuff. And, and next thing I knew, people really enjoyed People would start singing along. They'd start talking to each other. Uh, it became a little cocktail party on the bus. So oh, that's this, wonderful. And this, this was almost like a prelude to the work I later oh. would do in the hospital, mm-hmm. where I would, you know, use music as a way of building bridges between people. And so I got, I got a lot of, got a lot of practice there on the bus. Ah. And, um, later that year I, I was hired to be a music teacher at a charter school. So I began to teach after school ukulele to grades two through eight. And so I taught ukulele there and that's really all I did with it for a long time. I taught and, and I continued to play my guitar primarily because I was in this very active Django Reinhardt style mm. acoustic jazz band where, where I played the lead guitar. I played the part of Django. That band, Babique, had a great uh, run. 
And uh, so I didn't really give a lot of focus to the uke. But towards the end of Babik's run, I started to bring the uke out to concerts, and I would do a little 12th Street rag and do some Roy Smeck you know, stunts, mm-hmm. you know, playing it behind my head, playing it with my teeth, playing it with my feet. And people loved it. And then we started to add a second ukulele number to the concert. And then we added a third and a fourth. And pretty soon it became clear to me that people really responded to this. And so little by little, just one thing happened. And, you know, I met some people in the ukulele scene. Uh, a great a great friend has been uh, Lil Rev. Who you ah, know, yes. yes. Dear brother, dear friend. And yes. uh, so, you know, he helped to connect me with some people and... Uh, Help me to get out there. And, you know, one thing just led to another. That's kind of that's oh, kind of how it happened. Yeah, and, so interesting. And, and now I, I put out videos on YouTube, on my, my, my YouTube channel, which you can access through my website or just search me out on YouTube. And I'm continuing to put more lessons and performance videos out there. And that's a great okay. way of getting, getting, your, getting your music out there. Just put videos up there. And, and there's so much... Now, from the ukulele world, whenever I encounter somebody who, you know, all they can think of is uh, Tiny Tim and Arthur Godfrey, say, no, 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 it's everywhere, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yes, your, uh, your instructions and, and your YouTubes are um, so valuable. And there they are for anybody who yeah, wants to. Yeah, please, yeah, check them out. Hope you yeah. dig them. Um, before we conclude, would you like to just... Play something for, uh, well, I mean, you already have, but uh, close with uh, a song. Here's a piece of music that I I love to play around sunset, where I live in New Hampshire. There's a lake nearby, and I love to sit by it, so... If you're driving, don't close your eyes. But if you're, <laughs> if you're sitting home, close your eyes and let's let's go to the lake together. First thing in the morning. It's beautiful. Just beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) See, now I'm starting. So, anyway, we could cut that right at the end of the song. (laughs) Uh, Well, I I just 
want to thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to play? Or, um, I'll play a little bit of a, of a piece of music. Uh, uh. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I just enjoyed talking with you and uh, hearing you play and Thanks. hearing your insights. Good to talk insights. to you, too. Thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you and, so much. Yeah. Uh, hope, to, uh, hope we get to see each other soon. We will. We'll be hanging out all, all weekend here. Yes, for the great getaway Stukulele at uh, Tampa Bay Ukulele Getaway. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be teaching a rockabilly class and also a little something called the Ukulele Zen Party. Uh-huh. It'll be a taste, taste of what the Omega Retreat will be like. You know, sometimes when, when people hear the word yoga or meditation, they think it's like a serious endeavor, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to giving people a taste of that and how just a little bit of awareness uh, of the present moment and the breath can make your playing really, really a lot easier. So I've, I've seen it benefit a lot of people, so mm-hmm. I'm always excited to share that with people. Uh, just fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Stu. Thank you. My pleasure. You're listening to Rock at Night. Thanks for the intro melody. It's called Get On Down by Billy Bass Alford. Thanks.